0: Hello,
1: and welcome to the Allies Podcast, where we sit down and talk about how we approach combating human trafficking in our city, and why we think healthy relationships and empowered leadership are the keys to it all. Part
0: of the mission of this podcast is to help educate our community about human trafficking, and there are a lot of ways that we can do that, Um, but we thought it would be better on the podcast instead of doing like an informational HT101, here's what human trafficking is, You know, stats and statistics. Sometimes it's easier to understand concepts like trafficking if we do it through story. So, we're going to share today um, a case study about a girl named Jade. Um, She's a fictional character, but she's a combination of a lot of the stories and a lot of the girls that we interact with on a daily basis. And so we're going to share her story and kind of pull out some of the key factors and key things about her um, to help you, our listeners, better understand what trafficking is. Okay, so today, since Caitlin is not feeling well, we roped our intern into helping us with this podcast today. And so welcome Anne to our podcast.
2: Hello, everyone. Thank you for
0: having me. I'm pretty excited that you are stepping in to help us. So thank you for that. You were a willing participant. We didn't have to do too much begging to get you (laughs) to help us. Of course. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk through Jade's story. Again, she's a fictional character, but she is a combination of a lot of the girls and a lot of the stories that we see here on a daily basis. So the structure of our story will be that Anne will read a portion of Jade's story and then we'll stop and kind of debrief what's going on and pull out some key things in that portion of the story. And we've kind of set it up to where we've broken it up into four categories. First being the risk factors that we see. The second being re- recruitment and grooming strategies. Number three being exploitation. And number four, red flags. So that's kind of how we've structured her story. And as we go, we'll kind of pull out some of those key things. And you'll be able to walk away with a better understanding of what it looks like for a girl to be trafficked here at Indiana. So let's get started with Jade's story.
2: Jade was just 14 years old when her family moved from the small town she grew up in to the city 50 miles away. She and her little sister were looking forward to a new adventure in a new place, but were already missing their friends back home. Jade had always been pretty reserved and a bit shy, but when she was around her friends, she was known for coming up with witty one-liners and her big smile. She had been involved in track and field at her old school, and she was hoping to make it on the team at her new school this year. She was serious about her grades and took pride in bringing home report cards that made her mom proud. Her mom had always been her rock. Since Jade's dad had left, her mom had stepped up to take care of her two daughters while working full-time and making sure the girls always had what they needed. Lately, though, her mom had been spending more and more time with her new boyfriend, David, who had convinced them to move in with him in his apartment in the city. David was great at first. He spent a lot of time with the girls, bringing them presents and taking them to fun places on the weekends. He was very affectionate and gave lots of hugs, sometimes a little too many. On the nights, Jade's mom worked late that David would come stay with the girls to help with homework and make dinner. They usually settled into the couch for a sitcom before bed. A few times lately, David had become so affectionate that it had made Jade feel uncomfortable. He'd reassure her that it was normal for family to be close in that way.
0: So let's pause here. I think it's really important to note who Jade is. She's not, you know, someone that we might at at first categorize as a trafficking victim, because I think there's a lot of mis- information in the media, especially about who a trafficking victim is. Jade's just kind of your normal teenage girl. She goes to school. She's proud of her grades. She runs track and field. She's got friends, just a normal girl. And we see that too, with the girls that we work with at allies, many of them live, you know, just your average normal everyday life, going to school, being a teenage preteen girl. And that's how Jade was as well. And then we see some risk factors start to build into her life. She gets moved to a new city. So she doesn't know the people. She doesn't really know what the social status is right at, at her new school. She's got this new mom's boyfriend, David, in her life. And that's a new relationship and a new interaction. She's kind of uncomfortable with it. Her home environment has changed. Mom's working a lot she's home alone with David. She's got her little sister there. And so there's a little bit of family dynamic that's making her a little bit at risk. And so typically that's how this starts. It's little by little. There's a misconception. I think often that trafficking is like, you know, when someone snatched off the street and their life dramatically changes overnight and that's typically not what happens. Usually there is a longer process of small things adding up to make someone be really vulnerable to a trafficker and that's what we're seeing here in Jade's story. So let's go ahead and continue.
2: After getting settled in their new place, Jade and her sister were ready for school to begin. Jade would start her freshman year at the high school. Her sister would be in sixth grade at the middle school just down the street. Jade was looking forward to the classes she would be taking, but a bit nervous about making friends and fitting in. At the end of her first day, as she was closing her locker to head home, a friendly looking upperclassman girl came up and introduced herself as Cassidy. She offered to show Jade around and to look out for her. Cassidy was popular, funny, and kind. She seemed to really like Jade. Soon they started hanging out almost every day after school. They would go shopping, see movies, go out to eat, and hang out at Cassidy's house. Cassidy introduced Jade to her group of friends. They were really pretty cool. One person stood out in particular, Ryan. He was tall, handsome and athletic and had a smile that would make you melt. Jade was certain she was too young and too nerdy to be liked by someone like him, but she looked forward to seeing him at football games and parties that she and Cassidy attended together, which were becoming more frequent. Jade was honestly looking for reasons to leave the house more and more lately. Since moving in with David, he had become more aggressive with his affection and had crossed boundaries. When Jade tried to say no, he would go and get her sister if she didn't comply. Jade's mom was working two jobs. She was rarely home. So it was better for Jade to stay away from home. Cassidy was always willing to come pick her up and take her mind off of things. One Friday night after a football game, Jade joined Cassidy at a party. Jade spotted Ryan right away and it seemed like he noticed her too. He came over and they started talking. Ryan was very charming and made Jade laugh. By the end of the evening, Ryan asked Jade if she'd like to be his girlfriend. She thought she hit the jackpot. Pretty soon it was Ryan giving her rides home, buying her gifts and texting her each night before she went to sleep. Jade was in love.
0: All right, so the second piece here that we want to talk about is the recruitment and grooming process. And like I mentioned earlier, it's usually quite a bit of time that goes by where this recruitment process is happening, the grooming process where we see, so we've got Jade's vulnerabilities, right? She's looking to fit in. She's looking for attention. She's looking for, you know, value. And and we see this in every single girl that we work with that they, well, every teenage girl, all of us were looking for attention. We were looking for validation. We were looking to fit in. We wanted, we wanted that from our friends, from our family, from somebody, Which as a side note is why I always say the number one thing you can do to prevent trafficking is to mentor kids like they just need someone to give them positive attention and reinforcement and to help them understand their sense of value and so that's what Jade was looking for. And she finds Cassidy. So Cassidy is the one that really starts building that friendship with her in the first place and introduces her to Ryan. And we'll see how the story unfolds. But what we see here is Cassidy taking an investment in Jade. She's spending time with her. She's helping her feel like she's fitting in. And of course, simultaneously, things at home are getting a little bit more uncomfortable. And so she wants to leave the house more. And so we see her vulnerability increasing because of those things at home, which is, which is why Cassidy and Ryan then are able to so easily gain Cassidy's trust. And that's what it's really all about. It's about gaining trust and gaining that sense of family and connection. That's why we don't see traffickers often, you know, kidnapping and snatching right off the street they build that trust and they build that sense of relationship to where the the victim doesn't even really know what's happening they think they think that they you know got into the situation themselves that they the decisions that they made led them into this space where they then became vulnerable and were taken advantage of and that that is what we see is happening to jade right now okay so let's see how this progresses
2: after a few weeks of dating Ryan asked Jade if she wanted to hop in his car and hang out at his house after school. Without thinking thinking twice, Jade happily agreed. Finally, some real alone time with her new boyfriend. Once they got to the house, she realized that they weren't alone after all. Some of Ryan's friends were also there, a few that she had met before, and some new faces too. Ryan escorted her to his room where things quickly escalated. He forced her onto bed. Out of the corner of her eye, Jade saw a guy in the doorway taking pictures with his phone. After the rape was over, Jade began crying. She was so confused. She thought she could trust Ryan. To Jade's surprise, Cassidy walked in the room and sat down next to her. Cassidy told Jade not to worry. If Jade did everything Ryan asked, everything would be okay. But if Jade decided to snitch or rebel against him, he would show the pictures they took to everyone at school and even to her mother. Jade couldn't fathom this kind of embarrassment and humiliation, so she kept quiet and soon adjusted to a new normal. From that night on, Jade was expected to be at Ryan's beck and call. She was expected to help him make money and do whatever he asked. Sometimes that meant staying out all night servicing clients. Other times, she was forced to skip school to meet up with him to run various errands or to go shopping. It was so confusing. Most of the time, Ryan was completely charming and fun to be around. Ryan knew exactly what to say to make Jade feel special and loved. Some nights they would hang out and laugh and have dinner together with Cassidy and all of their friends as if everything was normal. However, things always changed once it was time to make Ryan more money. Jade missed how things used to be, the time spent with her mom and her sister before all of this happened, running track and laughing with her old friends. But like it or not, this was her new normal. Jade felt that she had no other choice but to continue with how things are now.
0: One of the main reasons we started this podcast is because we wanted to give our community education on human trafficking, what it looks like here in Indiana. And then also some really tangible tools and next steps to engage in anti-trafficking work. One of the best ways that you can get started with that is following us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and now Twitter, where you can find out what we're doing, follow us, and also learn more about human trafficking. You can subscribe to our podcast share it with others, and of course, donate to help further our mission. So I think it's important to really kind of hit home right now. What is trafficking? (laughs) I think another misconception or myth is that trafficking is something where, you know, someone is forced to have sex and money is exchanged, right? But you think about the circumstances being different than this. Jade was living her normal life and she was going to school sometimes maybe. And she was hanging out with friends and she was in public. She wasn't chained to a bed. She wasn't locked in a room. So there are three different ways someone can be trafficked. They can be trafficked by force, which is you know that physical force. Someone is you know locked up or something. But then there's also fraud and coercion that can keep someone in a trafficking situation. And that's what we see here, right? She was manipulated. Someone took pictures of her And she really, truly believed that if she did not comply with what they said, that they would show these pictures. And to her, the thought of these pictures circulating around and her reputation being ruined and people, her family being disappointed in her and all the the repercussions of that was worse than what she was experiencing with Ryan and Cassidy. And so to her, that is what held her in this bondage. It wasn't the fact that they were physically forcing her. It was this manipulation and coercion and the threats. And so I think that is something really important for the community to know, because sometimes trafficking victims are living among us. They are going to school in our schools. Teachers are seeing them. Healthcare providers are seeing them. And because they're not looking for the right things, they're maybe looking for someone who's beat up and drugged out and all of that. They're not looking for someone who really is, you know, potentially living a relatively normal life and, you know, is having to do this on the side, they might be, you know, and we'll talk in a little bit about some of the red flags. They might be withdrawn. They might have, you know, some changes going on, but it really takes someone that's close up to that person to really acknowledge that. And so that's why we are so passionate about the community being aware is because it takes teachers and neighbors And family members and people at churches to really be the community to these teenagers and and be able to be in their lives to understand what's going on. Because right now of Jade, you know, she's, she's got a battle going on in her mind, right? She doesn't want to be doing this, but she feels like she has to. And there are good times with Ryan and there are bad times. And she kind of has a community now, right? And she has like a new normal, something that she's used to. And even though it doesn't feel good and she's being exploited, the alternative to her seems worse. And then she's also got David at home, right? So she feels like she's in a no-win situation. And that's also why I like to point out that this is not a black and white thing. A lot of times when people think about survivors and, you know, they get removed from their exploitive situation, we think they're going to celebrate and run to us with open arms. Thank you for taking me out of this situation, but they don't because it's not black and white you can see with Ryan, you can know, think of Maslow's hierarchy. We talk about this all the time, right? Her basic needs are being met. She feels like her, you know, she has a place to, to be, to, mean, she's got a roof over her head. She's got food to eat. She has a sense of belonging. She has a sense of like contributing to something and all of those things subconsciously are playing out in her head. And so it's not black and white to her. It's not like Ryan's bad, And this other thing is good. There are good and bad things. And that's why this manipulation is so strong. This coercion is so strong and that's why it works. And so that is why we also have conversations with teenagers all the time about what to look for, how to know if you're in a healthy relationship, how to know if you can trust someone, who are people in your life that you can talk to if you're not sure And that's why we're really passionate about that, about pouring into teenagers before this happens and educating teenagers before this happens, so that the red flags can start to go off in their head when they're in these, you know, particularly, potentially traumatic situations. All right, let's keep going.
2: Jade's mom began to voice her concerns over the changes she had seen in her daughter. Jade was rarely home, and when she was, she barely ate or spoke to anyone. She was much thinner than she had been before, and she was wearing clothes that her mom did not recognize. The school had called several times inquiring about Jade's absences, but her mom was too busy working to do much about it. When she did try to express her concern to Jade about the changes she was seeing, Jade erupted in anger and left the house yelling how much she hated it at home. This was so out of character for Jade. It caused her mom to worry even more. She looked at Jade's social media profiles and was surprised with what she saw. Her loving, sweet, reserved daughter seemed to change before her eyes. One night, Jade's mom decided to have another conversation with her daughter about the alarming changes she had been seeing in Jade. The conversation quickly turned into a heated argument. Jade stormed out of the house. This time, Jade did not return home the next day. Jade decided it was time to move in with Ryan. Despite the frequent abuse from Ryan, Jade felt that she could not return home. Ryan always made up for the last beating and reeled Jade back in. He kept her holding onto the hope that it was the last time he would treat her like that. Jade managed to make it to school on occasion. A concerned teacher started to notice Jade's unhealthy appearance and pulled her aside after class. Jade quickly dismissed the teacher's concerns. After months of constant abuse and exploitation, Jade had become apathetic and numb. Her dismissive comments only served to validate the teacher's concern. The teacher then reached out to a child protective agency. From there, a social worker was assigned Jade's case. The social worker visited Jade's mother's home for a home study. Through questioning and observation, the abuse from Jade's mother's boyfriend, David, was discovered. It was decided Jade should move to a group home for healing and safety. Once at the group home, Jade entered therapy where the abuse of David was processed and the trafficking from Ryan was revealed. After a couple of weeks in the facility, Jade was introduced to allies. So we
1: see here
0: kind of how Jade's story starts to culminate. And this, of course, looks different for every girl that we work with, but there's usually a breaking point of some kind. For her, for Jade, it was enough people noticed the difference that they started to investigate. And in this case, BS or whoever got involved and she was able to be removed from home and put into a facility for safety. And a lot of times trafficking victims are put into residential facilities and removed from their situation, not because they've been trafficked, but because of something else that's been discovered. And a lot of times once they are then removed from their situation and start therapy, then that's when the trafficking is revealed and they start to understand what's happened to them. It's very, very rare that a girl is going to say, hey guys, I've been trafficked, please help me. Or that the community will even understand, oh, this girl's being trafficked. It's it's someone picking up on the other things happening. And sometimes it is drug abuse. Sometimes it is you know, other things like that that, you know, get them removed from the home. This time it was someone had seen the physical indicators, the mental health things that were going on with her, her behavior and how it had changed. They'd seen how it had played out in Jade and someone was able to then get her the help that she needed. And so at this point is usually when allies will interact with the girls that we serve. So we talk about, if you think about trafficking on a spectrum or we kind of, we do this prevention work on one end and then in the middle. It, you'll see the um, recovery, case management, therapy, residential people interacting with them. And once they're in a stable position, once they're removed from their exploited situation, they're ready to move forward. That's when we interact with them again. And so in Jade's circumstance, you know, she's in a residential facility, she's starting therapy. Someone has identified that she's at high risk for trafficking or has been trafficked. And so then we would then interact with her through one of one of two avenues usually, one being in our My Life, My Choice program. And if you listen to our very first podcast, we talked a little bit about what My Life, My Choice is. And it's a prevention education group, it's 10 weeks long. But anyone who has been trafficked or is at high risk really benefits from the conversations because if you think about Jade's story, And the way that she was so easily recruited into trafficking, those are the conversations we're having with these young girls, right? We're talking about how to know if you can trust somebody, what is recruitment and grooming? What is trafficking? Who are these pimps and traffickers? And once we start really defining those for these girls, light bulbs start to go off and they're like, oh, well, if that's what trafficking is, then this happened to me or this happened to someone I know, or I've seen this happening. And once they get it clearly defined and laid out, like, okay. Then you start to see them really understand what it is. And then they understand the need for some of the material that that we cover in the conversations that we have about, okay, what is a healthy relationship? What is an unhealthy relationship? And even in Ryan's case, there were some healthy aspects to it, but it was going back and forth. Right. And so even having them identify, you know, sometimes we have these conversations and we have them list qualities of a healthy relationship and qualities of an unhealthy relationship. And we have some girls say, like, I understand that. I understand these two lists, but I've never seen a healthy one modeled to me. I've only seen these other things. And so if they're only seeing these other things and it's normalized for them that people are treated in this way, no wonder they were at risk for someone exploiting them and taking advantage of them. So my life, my choice is this 10-week program that we do mainly in residential facilities to kind of help prevent it from happening again or happening in the first place. The other way that we might intersect with someone like Jade is through our mentorship program. So if someone then identifies, okay, she's a trafficking victim or really high risk, they would then refer them to our mentorship program where we would pair a community member that we've trained and vetted and screened. It's a very rigorous process being a mentor with us. And so then a female who is older that is in the community is paired with someone like Jade to be her friend. And, you know, it might sound intimidating um, to be a friend to someone who's a trafficking victim, but it really is, if you think about Jade and who she really is, She's a teenage girl. She's been through a lot, but she needs a friend. She needs someone she can trust and who can model healthy relationship. You know, you might've, I think we've already even mentioned this on one of the podcasts, but trauma that happens through relationship has to be healed through relationship. And that's what we're in the business of doing, providing healthy healing relationship for these girls. And any relationship that we're in, there's going to be ups and downs, even a healthy one, right? But this is no different. You know, it's a it's a relationship that's gonna have its ups and downs, but it's gonna be a teaching process and a learning process and a healing process for someone like Jade, who really needs someone to know she needs to know someone's in her corner and someone's gonna show up for her and someone's gonna answer the phone and be there because they really care about her. So think about how powerful that relationship is gonna be for someone like Jade. And and you can provide that relationship. Our listeners, you and I, we all are providing that community. For her, And that's why our mentorship program is so important. And then we have our Thrive program for parents. So think about Jade's mom for a minute. Think about what is going through her head and heart. She's probably disappointed in herself. She's probably frustrated that, that she wasn't around to notice what was going on and provide Jade what she needed. She was going through her own thing. I mean, who knows, really, we don't know the backstory on Jade's mom, but we know that she was going through something to pick up her girls and moved to a new city with this guy, David, who ended up not being a great guy. And she was having to, you know, work extra jobs to make money to make ends meet. And so not only that, but now Jade's in the system and she's having to meet with, you know, case managers and she's having to, you know, deal with DCS and she's having to do all these things. No one is for the parent in this situation. And so we are passionate about being for the parent too, because we know that if we can If we can be for the parent and create some health there in the home, that it's only going to help girls like Jade. And so our Thrive program is a 10-week program where parents and caregivers of these youth can come together, connect with each other, hear someone say, yeah, me too. I've been through this situation and get some resources and tools on how to build a healthy home environment, how to take care of yourself as a caregiver. It's just a really, really beautiful space and really special for the parents and guardians of these girls.
1: Okay, I loved listening to the case study. I helped write it. I have listened to it multiple times, and every single time I'm moved by it. Just, I can't believe that we get to know girls like Jade, that we get to be in their lives and what they have been through, the survivors that they are. They're so strong. So that's certainly inspiring me today. But I know we end every podcast with what's inspiring you. So,
2: why don't we start with our intern, Ann? Anne, what's inspiring you? One thing that's been inspiring me is the fact that I'm going to be moving and starting a whole new life for myself. I'm in New Jersey, getting my first real job, like adult job, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> and so I'm really excited to take on a new sort of challenge and do new things for myself.
1: That's yeah. exciting. Jess, what's been inspiring you lately?
0: okay, this might sound strange, but the sunshine, (laughs) I feel like in the summer months, you know, when the days are longer, I just feel like I have so much more energy. I'm more positive. I feel like my husband is too, you know, (laughs) like we just, the sun makes me feel just better. Yeah. So
1: I've been enjoying the longer days. I love it. I have taken up a new hobby, which is flipping furniture. And I have loved learning more about it, watching people on the internet, teach me new things. And it's just been really inspiring kind of to discover this new community of people and creativity. So I've been inspired a lot recently with creativity and flipping furniture. Love it. Thank you for joining us for the Allies podcast. We hope you left inspired and empowered to take action. I'm Jess and I'm Caitlin. See you next time.